0: Welcome to Roar! Powered by El Tigre! Welcome to the Tiger Den. Hi and welcome back to Roar! Powered by El Tigre. Uh, I'm your host, Ms. Schiff. We're going to be pounding out a bunch of these this week as my seniors have decided that they are kicking it in the high gear, which is great. Uh, we are here with Colin, my friend, who is the fastest editor I've had as in like editing and the most proficient who's come in here out of nowhere. Cause Colin did a magazine, right? Or publication mm-hmm. in junior high, which is helpful. I'm not saying that Colin is, I'm getting looks. Colin is not the most proficient editor ever Colin is i just, might be. you might be i like colin's confidence there we go um however they've come into this class and rocked it so tell us more about yourself
1: uh hi uh i'm colin mooney uh i'm a writer for lt gray um a writer in general i guess i like writing mostly uh fiction um i'm also going into game design which uh kind of relates to today's topic on uh, game journalism Uh, i've been making games since 2014 probably somewhere around then um not very good games because i was like very young but games nonetheless
0: that's pretty awesome so we've got like the techie plus the journalistic side, so you've meshed them together, and you're going to be telling us what is game journalism.
1: Um, it's kind of a broad genre. So, game journalism, <clears throat> as the name suggests, is kind of just journalism about games. Like what um, kind of
0: games, like parcheesi, twister. Uh,
1: in this case, specifically video games. Okay. Um, any kind. It started with arcade arcade games obviously but it wasn't very popular back then um when you say
0: back then when is back then
1: like early 70s okay um the first publication to cover uh video games and in general was playmeter in 1974. it was just a general like tech based uh magazine Uh, The first, like, dedicated game-related column was uh, Arcade Alley in the magazine Video, which was in the late uh, 70s, 1979. Um, Which is cutting edge at the time. Yeah. Uh, They actually wrote under a pseudonym, uh, Frank T. Laney II, because they were real, like, they were just, like, regular journalists. And they were afraid that by writing about video games, it would actually jeopardize their career as journalists. I can
0: understand that.
1: Yeah. Um, And so they, of course, wrote under a pseudonym. Um, The first, uh, like, fully dedicated magazine to video games was uh, Family Computer Magazine. That's the English name. It was actually a Japanese magazine.
0: Sounds so so, boring. Family computer magazine was it? Oh, they get
1: more boring. Oh, they? they? Yeah, the names are not very creative. Wow,
0: you would think that that would be a place where you could feel free to be fun.
1: It's all just acronyms. Really? Yeah.
0: Oh, that's horrible. That's horrible. Like
1: maybe it was more creative in Japanese because I mean it was like
0: can't we in the nineteen seventies make a magazine called Pixel or like Pixelated?
1: Yeah, well, Adam Sandler hadn't come around back then. I, I just,
0: oh, it's like necessary, but very necessary. Um, Okay, well, what is gaming journalism? So it, it covers gaming.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Back in the day, it was mostly about, like back like in the 20th century, it was mostly about like the technological side of it.
0: Sorry, my heart dropped. You made that sound like it was so long ago. And I,
1: well, I mean- Several decades ago.
0: Oh, wow. Thank you again. Thank- <laughs> Noted for those of us who feel ostracized while listening or speaking. <laughs> I mean,
1: I wasn't alive back
0: then. I so. appreciate that. Your parents probably hadn't even met. Thank you. Uh, so. Yeah.
1: So uh, it usually mostly covered like the technological side since it was like this kind of like tech revolution back then. Very new, uh, scary to some people. Um, They're I just, still
0: scared of it. Yeah.
1: That is very true, but more, more scared than even now, I'd say. Um, it, so a lot of magazines that covered it, um, publications, because the internet hadn't really caught on yet, um, it was usually like journalists who covered other topics. So it was sort of journalists turned gamers who were doing it. And they had this very kind of stale academic tone which bored a lot of the young audience who, you know, didn't understand what they were talking about, didn't really care about the technology. They just cared about the games. Um, That really started to change more in the late 80s. Um, uh, They started bringing on, like, people who were gamers, who had an interest in journalism to start writing. But that also kind of brought down the um,
0: intellectual
1: tone of it, kind of made it more hyperbolic, um, less grammatically correct. Um, But the thing is, they didn't really care because people were reading it. And uh, this was especially common in Europe, uh, which while the U.S. was going through like a big um, bust, In the gaming industry in the 80s, Europe had a massive boom. And so in Europe especially, where all this stuff was kind of taking off, um, Japan as well. Um, So, yeah, I mean...
0: How did it change from then to now? Because now, you approached me yesterday with this topic, and then uh, we decided that that wasn't journalism. So Mm -hmm. why is... Game journalism no longer considered journalism.
1: Well, I mean, it depends who you ask. Um, but so, well,
0: what is journalism?
1: I mean, in the broad term, I guess it's just like covering, I don't know, uh, topics. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So,
0: covering topics. Mm-hmm. And, uh, do we cover topics with honesty? hmm. And true journalism is not biased.
1: Yes, it should. had a layer layer of objectivity to it.
0: Okay, so it reports things. Mm -hmm. That's what journalism is. It reports things. So then we're talking about, like, your example yesterday was with Sony and Mm -hmm. uh, what else? Sony Mm -hmm. and...
1: Yeah, so that changed. So back in the day, it was mostly, like, indie studios who were making games.
0: What is back in the day?
1: Uh, Like, again, 20th century uh that's wide okay well 80s 90s okay um developers were like they weren't able to afford big pr advertisements whatever so they actually relied on these game publications to do their pr for them which meant game journalists had pretty much unrestricted access to developers they developed like cordial relationships because game developers didn't really care why shouldn't they say they didn't care they, they were more willing to accept negative press because they weren't able to get any press otherwise. And so they, they would just give their games to journalists. And so journalists could cover these games with a less biased uh, take on it. Uh, however, in the 90s, uh, late 90s, the rise of third-party uh, AAA publishers um, kind of led to another evolution in the game industry where games started becoming. The uh, rise of like big AAA game publishing companies on like uh, like Sony, for example, or Square Enix, really kind of changed the way that game journalists could access developers, because now they had to go through all these extra layers. And so these big AAA companies wanted to control the press that games got because they cared really about profits even more so than developers did and they were able to afford other types of advertisement so they didn't rely on it as much. Uh, this kind of started the rise of review guides where a lot of early access to games that game journalists depend on came with guides on specific features they had to highlight in their covering and specific things that they weren't allowed to talk about. Like if there was like a major issue in development, they weren't allowed to cover it. Um, They, of course, could report on it if they wanted to. But in doing so, they would risk losing access to these games. Uh, This kind of led to this modern issue that a lot of game journalism has, where if you read an article, it doesn't really cover anything. It just kind of explains that a game is coming out. It's very shallow kind of surface level PR, and it's sometimes almost indistinguishable from an advertisement.
0: So I think what you're defining is that it's no longer free journalism. No. There's no free voice because major gaming companies will restrict you from having access to their games, which would make you come out farther mm-hmm. along than everybody else. So yours would be hidden in the stack, if you will. Yeah. So nobody's reading your article because mm-hmm. it's not hot off the press. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then, there's almost
1: like an arms race where the earlier you get the game, because you have to play the game. You can't report on it unless you've played it. And so um, a lot of times uh, game journalists rely on like early releases. They get like special access right. to. Uh,
0: but what's the point? What's the point of reading it if we know that it's only going to spew the positives and neglect giving us the real journalistic integrity that it needs to have
1: now that, that's kind of the big question is because their readership is really dropping right now and people aren't even wanting to write for these companies there was kind of a recent outrage or semi recent uh, IGN which is another big game journalist network they actually had to pay people only like a couple hundred dollars in bulk for any articles people would write. If you write them an article, they will pay you $100.
0: So wouldn't it make more sense now? Sorry, this wasn't in our discussion, but Mm -hmm. follow my brain. Wouldn't it make more sense now to not get it from a major company, the game, Mm -hmm. wait till it's out, and then not give it a scathing review, but although we know some games Mm -hmm. deserve a scathing review give it the journalistic integrity it deserves, wouldn't you be different than all the other game journalists at this point Again, setting yourself apart mm-hmm. and making yourself the star of the show?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, actually, there is kind of a new wave of that. Um, there was a term for it coined in 2004, uh, new game journalism. Which is of, really
0: yeah. going back to the old game journalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's like bell bottoms now.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um they, it's kind of, you know, a spin on just, like, new journalism as a topic. Uh, It's a little bit more subjective. Like, kind of, like, it's reporting on the facts, but then injecting kind of your own thoughts about the game to give a little more, like, personality to the reporting. Um, You see this in a lot of, like, more independent people. I wouldn't necessarily call them journalists, but you see them on platforms like YouTube, a lot of like independent creators do it, but you could raise the question: Is that really journalism? Uh, I don't know. To be honest.
0: Okay, so it sounds like game journalism is evolving, devolving, and evolving again. Yeah, very and much. It sounds like a wave of like ebbs and flows. So, mm-hmm. it's, so I guess if you're reading something that deals with gaming, you have to understand that there's possible low to little Mm -hmm. journalistic integrity in it. Yeah. uh, Depending on when it comes out. Mm -hmm. So if it's a preview, I guess we need to look at those articles with a gaze that's different Mm -hmm. than a post article by some no-name journalist who Mm -hmm. comes out and actually wants to write about it.
1: Yeah, I mean if you're reading an article from like a big network like Otaku, IGN, GameSpot, Polygon, kind of big, big names like that, And it's like a pre-release kind of uh, cover of a game that's like, there's a lot of hype for, but
0: hasn't come out yet. Like the Zelda one that came Mm -hmm. out? Exactly. Oh my goodness.
1: Be very skeptical. Not necessarily just reject it on the face of it, but I I would take it with a grain of salt when you read it.
0: Just be aware that there may be a different side of opinion Mm -hmm. when it comes out. Yeah. Okay. That sounds fair. Okay, so I I think that our listeners have probably learned a lot about this. Sorry that there might have been an awkward pause in the middle of our thing. We got a phone call that you heard the first time, uh, but then we got a phone call the second time and had to pause because people don't realize we're in studio. Studio mode. So anyway, um, thank you for educating Mm us. Uh, I look forward to playing a game of yours at some point if I ever own a console ever again.
1: Oh, it's on a PC.
0: Oh, oh I have a PC so we're actually recording on a PC right now yeah.
1: yes. I think most people have pcs here at least
0: uh yeah well yeah yes yes but I have the largest screen on campus uh, so this makes me excited anyway uh, without further ado do you have anything left that you would like to tell your listeners
1: um I don't think so keep
0: gaming keep writing
1: yeah. uh. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's not really the topic, but I mean, it's kind of the topic. I would say I think there more than ever has been kind of this change in the way that we see video games from not just like technology or entertainment, but as an art form. And I think that's something that we should continue encouraging. Uh, Viewing video games kind of the same way we see books or movies, because they can tell a story and they can have a big impact on our culture and society and i think there's no reason to devalue them as an art form as they are
0: especially now that they've yeah surpassed pong
1: yeah yeah i don't, I don't know if i'd call pong art but
0: or mr and mrs pac-man yeah
1: yeah not really art but, but certainly design
0: i mean they're iconic now
1: yeah. well that's getting into a whole another topic that what is going is
0: on a whole another topic but But I see what you're saying. They've evolved more to tell a story. There's Mm -hmm. uh, the dimension of Mm -hmm. the level of dimension. Mm It's much better. So things are improving. Okay. Well, have a lovely, lovely rest of your afternoon. And thanks for joining us here on Roar.